0: All right. Back again. Episode four. Let's do this. Let's be able to talk shop with you, Joe. So excited to, to get after today. But another busy week. No, not a lot of drama. I would say this past week in terms of who's managing where people getting fired, all of that kind of stuff, but more just uh, a bunch of week of great games. And we got some Champions League and getting down to the nitty gritty of the title race. So a lot to talk about just really on the pitch stuff this week. So it will be nice to get back into that. But first was the game of the weekend, and I thought one of the games of the season in the EPL, which was Arsenal-Liverpool, this past week. And uh, it's a great advert for everything we love about the, the Premier League. What did you think about everything that game had to offer?
1: It was fun to watch. Um, it was a little bit chaotic at times, and it wasn't the, the cleanest stuff. But in terms of the plot and the things at stake and, and the intensity of the game, it was it was fun to watch. I agree with you as in terms of uh, game of the season. For me, it really switched the game flipped when when Jaka kind of got into it with Trent Alexander-Arnold you know they had everything flowing yeah. up to nothing you know full possession liverpool looked like they weren't going to put up a fight and then they kind of remembered that they were champions and that they were playing at home and i think that kind of that moment really woke them up and sparked them and also it kind of in terms of what it did to arsenal it just it knocked their focus down a little bit and Liverpool pounced on it. So I think if that moment doesn't happen and, and, and Arsenal goes about their business, I think taking all three points. But we touched on a little bit in the last podcast. I was just always – not always, but I was just wondering a little bit how they would handle a little bit of that adversity and a little bit of that – some of the gamesmanship that goes on, especially on the road in a big atmosphere. And, I mean, to leave there with a point overall after the game, I, they they have to be happy with it. A couple of great saves at the end. But I really think if it goes the way it did the first – you know, probably the most of the first half, I, I think they lived there with three points. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I thought, like you said, the intensity was amazing. Everything that's great about the Premier League and how versus can be back and forth within that atmosphere, that culture that Anfield brings that out of these these types of teams. I think Liverpool, with where they're at in their season, right? This is this is a massive, massive game. Not only for where they want to be in the table, but you know, playing disruptors to a title challenge and probably their most meaningful game left this season. And you saw that kind of from both teams. I thought Arsenal in the first half, especially in the first half of that first half, just what we talked about last time, where they're just efficient and believe that they should be winning. They have that swagger of champions walking to one of the toughest places to play in the world and putting their stamp on that game early and really dictating play what they wanted to do, how quickly they get from you know center back to the outside back to the ball through to Martin and Nelly, and then he's always in space. It's amazing how quick they are getting back to front and getting Saka and Martinelli on the ball in those really dangerous spots. And they just did that with ease, it seemed like, in the beginning and had Liverpool on skates a the game. And Liverpool just like really couldn't get close to them until the crowd really got into it from that kind of interaction like you were talking about. And I think the crowd kind of willed them back in that game. But one of the things that jumped out to me was Martin and Martinelli again. I think... People are rightly so talking about Martinelli, but I don't think nearly enough. And I think Saka and Jesus probably take some of the shy enough Martinelli. But the goal he had, the assist he had, how hard he works defensively, how hard he chases back, tackles, nipping at people's ankles. He just does everything really, really well. He's also tactically very disciplined, always, I feel like, in the right role to get that kind of outlet path in the space. And then he's so decisive on the ball, right? can be people, great finisher. And uh, and he showed that. And so I think it was another example about how how much of a difference maker he's been to this team, and how much that he even opens up things for Jesus and and Saka. And people talk about how much he's come on this year, but I think I still think he's underrated from the amount that praise he gets. And a great example of. Of Adu buying someone for not a lot of money that was way under the radar for most teams, and how well Arsenal's developed players and been patient with some of these guys like Martinelli. But I thought it was an unbelievable performance from from him. And then you said, like the Anfield Magic at, at Liverpool, you know, the, the car- crowd willing them back into that game, them never giving up and continuing to press and, and fight back and fight back. And at the end of it, they had more possession they had a lot more I mean they out twenty one shots to nine Liverpool had fifty nine percent possession and so you know as the the game kind of went they really took the that game by the spot for the neck and I think Arsenal showed again another kind of attribute of champions to where they bent but didn't break, right? And they withheld pressure, they withheld, they kept their heads about them, they put in a great shift defensively. And then obviously the the goal at the end from from Firmino by a brilliant bit of play from Alexander Arnold and a little Mag and a little Dink over the top, got them to that point. But I think before this game, you say, listen, you leave Anfield with with the draw and with the running games you have, you know, coming into the, the season, you take that. But they got to feel disappointed not to get all three. But I still think it's a it's a great result. We said in the last pot, if they get out of Anfield with a tie, I think they have one hand on the title, and I, and I think they do. And now all eyes to that game against Man City. But yeah, I thought it was another very. They accomplish a mature performance from that Arsenal team, even though they shipped the goal at the end. And they could have done more, right? Those last those two saves from Ramsdale at the end were unbelievable <laughs> and keep them in it. But overall, great, great advert, and uh and it was like really, really fun to watch. Last thing I'll say too is Tiago, when he came on, such a great example of what he can be when he's healthy, but also an interesting example of like the amazing touches he has, and the, the how creative he is with with his passing, and the weight of his passing, and how brilliant he is. It also kind of exposed what Liverpool doesn't have, where the guys around him to be industrial enough to just let Thiago do what he needs to do, right? And it just really exposed the big points in that match. Even though the team was galvanized and attacked and defended and and played with a lot of energy, it just exposed some of the holes holes in that midfield. But on the ball, I thought you know he was absolutely absolutely brilliant. I haven't heard enough people talking about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's a total game changer. And I don't know how much is left in those legs, you know, picking up these injuries um, time and time again. I hope we get another two or three seasons of him. You you look at guys like Luka Modric, who's I think 38 and still doing it at a high level. Tony Cruz. I hope that he can do it for another couple of seasons. It's just the Premier League is so demanding physically. Um, I hope he can stay healthy. And that's a great point. We touched on it a little bit last week about some of the holes that Liverpool had. And I think with Fabinho and Henderson in there, it's starting to look like they're just so worn down that this is kind of the last stance from those guys and and have to go out and and, and add to it. Just to recap a little bit though, your thoughts on like, did they leave there with a point? Um, Did they drop two points? How do you think the locker room feels now? Uh, I saw some, some, you know, the interview with Ramsdale and some of the comments from Arteta. Um, Obviously they're going to spin it in a positive way because not a lot of teams are going to go to Anfield and, and even take a point. But Looking ahead, you know, the next five games, you got Man City, Chelsea, and Newcastle. And then really after that, on the fourteenth of May, they 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 go to Brighton, or they they have Brighton as well. So my sense of it is they drop two points, even though those last two saves were were pretty incredible. What do you think the the feel is in the in the locker room? I think they they have to feel like they dropped two points just because of when that goal was
0: let up, right? They were like they were almost there over the line. So whenever that happens, I feel like you almost feel that. That you drop two points, but I think that is the sign of a great manager in Arteta when he needs to be able to do, and also a sign of what the collective spirit is in that in that changing room on how they deal with that. So even if they feel like oh we let one slip away because we had it until the last couple minutes, being able to take positives from the result and bring that forward because getting a point from Manfield is a big deal, and they almost let it slip again with Ramsdale makes two brilliant saves at the end, right? So I think they'll all be feeling like, like they dropped two points, but it's the maturity to be able to say to take the positives from it and, and and bring it forward and kind of put that to one side and let it fuel that team in the right way. Because things you can prove on, we can't take our eye off the ball for a minute because we'll get punished like we did there. Right? It was just a bad bit of defending from Zinchenko, who's been you know great all all season. And so I think it will be a. A good lesson for them at a crucial point in the season to like keep even more focused. If if they are having this ch- this championship type type spirit w- w- within the group, so I think it'll be really telling where they go from here. I mean, they have some tough yeah. games, but they also it's not
1: too too bad, right? The Leads the next the next Forest. two, are, yeah, are the next West Ham and, and and Southampton are the next two right for for Arsenal?
0: Oh, for Arsenal, I was looking at Liverpool.
1: Yeah, for yeah, Arsenal next two for uh, for Arsenal, yeah. West Ham and Southampton are coming up, and so I think it's going to be a big test for them if they can go out there and take six points out of the next two games, and then Man City comes up after that. I think then that's going to be that'll be a, a a fun game to watch. Then it really, it's just Newcastle, and, yeah. Brighton as well is is on that. I think Brighton can cause them some problems, and you never know with Chelsea. I mean, they laid an egg again in, in the Champions League, but they had a couple moments to to finish. You know, early in that first half, I believe, and could have made things different, but. You just never know. It's still Chelsea, and I know that they're a little bit flat. Well, you know, really flat compared to where they usually are. But, yeah, I, th- I think that Man City-Arsenal game is is, is going to be the one to watch. But I think they go out, they take six points the next two games, and, and they get themselves ready for the big one.
0: Yeah, and the, the other advantage they have is they're out of Europe, right? So it's just focused on this. West Ham's fighting for their lives. Southampton also fighting for lives, but I don't think like they, sh- they shouldn't have any issue with them. London, Derby, West Ham front Someone somewhat could be a banana peel, but you think, I agree with you, they take six points and go into City. But from what you saw, from the way they set up, to what they were trying to do, positionally, how they were trying to attack, and how they are using their pieces, what do you think they have to do to get a result against City?
1: Whew. I sat the Etihad too. Um, and I know it's not the, the the most feel in that stadium in terms of the fan support, but I right. think they'll be queued up for that one. I, I agree with what you say. I think it's got to be more of the same, that sense of belief. I don't think you change anything, right? You go in there, you play your style, you have that belief. You know you have a goalkeeper who can make saves that the game gets opened up a little bit. But if you start to sit in and change the way that you play... You know, I think that you lose a little bit of your style, and you lose a little bit of the pressure that you can put Man City under. The one factor for me is how the next two games go. Right, like if you're going into that and you're 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 even with points now with Man City, or you've dropped points, I think that alters things um, a little bit about your, your you know the tactics. Um, if they're able to win six uh, points in the next two games and they go there. Um, understanding that a tie maybe pushes them a, a little bit further ahead, so I'll wait to see how the next two games go. But for me, it's got to be more of the same. You got to be aggressive. You got to be proactive. Teams that can get tight to City and, and pick the ball up high up the field have had a lot of success picking them apart. Because if you sit back in a little bit and they're able to walk the ball up the field, and you have De Bruyne and and, and Holland just waiting to to, to get goals, so for me, it's got to be more of the same. What about you? Yeah, I think the matchups are going to be interesting. I mean, again, City with a compact schedule with the Champions League. and
0: But assuming everybody stays healthy, I think Rodri is going to play such a pivotal role in that game because Odegaard does so much intelligently in the half spaces, playing off Jesus, getting the ball from Saka, getting on the half turn, playing those little one-twos off of Jesus as well. And that creates a lot of space for Saka. Also the overlaps that Ben White does. Um, Same thing on the other side of Martinelli. So he's so important, but Rodri can disrupt that and he does that with such a great job kind of sitting in front of, of Diaz and, and Stone. So I think that could be a crucial piece that could be in City's favor. The other thing is just how does... Like how does Inchenko, who is shaky defensively, I don't want to overly go after him for getting meg by Alexander Arnold. That happens, but he's never been like brilliant defensively. You know how does he yes. compete against De Bruyne in, in those spots? Because De Bruyne is what he's doing, right? Is they like at the end of all the Grealish. Grealish likes taking people on, and then De Bruyne kind of pulls off and they get the ball. To De Bruyne, De Bruyne works the ball in the box, and Holland gets on the end of it. Right? I think Arsenal have two amazing. Rob Holding's actually been playing better than I've ever seen him. Yeah. With more hair than he's ever had before, his hair is incredible. You see, like the <laughs> headband and like the full long hair after he was like going totally oh, yeah. long? His yeah. hair plugs. He of
1: saw that. the he saw the he saw the Wayne Rooney doctor. I think.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, but he's I've never like guys like even like LeBron they grow a little bit just to get back to like neutral. He's like really grown an even you know, to, to yeah. turn the dial up to 11. And I, I respect that. That yeah. he's gone completely the other way with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why not when you can do it? But I think <laughs> they'll, like, they'll deal, they can deal with the threat of Holland, the, those types of, those center backs. Although, you know, Holland's unbelievable. He's going another unbelievable. Scoreboard. But I think it's, it's how do they stop that service coming in? Because they are attacking. So the will be a little bit more defensive with Senchenko, with Ben White. And they're a little bit more attentive. And then, as you said, that disrupts their style of play going forward. But it's just going to be a fascinating tactical matchup because you have the understudy coming up against the master, and how much of that is, like you said, we do what we yeah. do versus him being like, Pep knows I'm going to do this. So then I'm going to do that. But Pep thinks I'm going to do that. So then I'm going to do like, it's all, it's all of those interesting components. But on an individual matchup basis, I think City poses some problems to Arsenal. But I think Arsenal's played better total football uh, this year, like just as a collective group, especially as a defensive block. So, yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting, but I can see City getting out of there with three points. And so I I think it's, it's like you said, how big of a cushion does Arsenal have going going into that game is going to be so crucial.
1: Yeah, that's what I call our relationship as well, the understudy and the master. Obviously, it's very evident what what roles those are. I think people can pick up on that. But I think that also it'll be interesting to see how Pep handles the tactics of it, right? Because he's been a little bit – he's been known to be a little bit – too A creative. little bit um, too creative, too cute. I think you know. Obviously, everyone touches on taking out the the nine in the Champions League final against Tuchel and how that kind—or of, no, the, was it—the center mids he, he he took off. We'll have to edit this part. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it was the center mids yeah. they
0: took off, and everyone was like, "Yeah, he's trying to go over the top yeah. with it," versus just let your superstars play.
1: Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he 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 toned it down, you know, for Champions League, um, you know, this week, and and I think it just. Uh, stability is what that team needs. They don't need anything too cute. They have so many players that can come in and hurt you. And I mean, he took Al- he took De Bruyne off and put on Alvarez, and they even took it up another notch there. I, I'm a big fan yeah. of Alvarez. I think he's he looks the part, and um, obviously, Highland's been keeping him off the field. But I think that if you can put him a little bit underneath, um, he can unlock a lot of things. So, speaking a little bit more about City, what are your thoughts on 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 Grealish? He he looks to be, you know, it took a little bit of a some time to for him to get into the fold. You know, the 4-1 over Southampton, and and Grealish looks like he's the real deal.
0: Yeah. When they paid 100 mil for him, I remember you and I talking about it and just being like, that is way too much, right? It's that, like, famous meme you see online all the time about, you know, if, like, with Matoma, for example, Matoma's 3 mil, right? If he's Matoma Lito, then he's, like, 12 mil, right? And if he's, (laughs) you know, Joel Matome from Birmingham, then he's, like, 100 mil, right? Like the English tax. And, um And that's just what he looked like at at City in the beginning where he's like very, you know, can carry the ball, but doesn't really score a lot of goals, doesn't really create a ton. Great little shithouser, right, where he likes to stir things up, gets fouled a ton, but he just didn't seem to fit in City's like fluid style. When he was the man at Dylan, it was get Jack the ball and Jack go run at people and make stuff happen is a little bit, little bit different just because he had um, so much of the focus on him and the whole, the whole game ran through him. But now at City this year, it seems like they're they're not doing that, but so much of the play, they're trying to get to Grealish all the time. It looks like Grealish pulls to the touchline. Everyone's look is to – they have interchange in the middle of the park to try to create some space, get that ball to Jack, Jack, run at somebody, and then they start playing off of that. And like we said, De Bruyne can kind of pull off, and they have kind of overlapping runs. And, but he, he's just delivering a lot more this season, and it looks like that guy – that they paid for and that another shrewd buy that that could be coming with. Is it a hundred mil? I mean, the way he's playing right now, if he goes from level to level, you you could potentially see him getting there. But I remember Guardiola had this line that we didn't buy Jack for his assist or goals. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? Like, what else did you buy him for? But it was that link up play to give De Bruyne a space to like find a Holland. But now he's like really contributed that. And I think he's really, really turned into somebody who's really dangerous on a consistent basis. And it makes all of those other guys around him so much better. And that's that's the thing that's happening now. I mean, the goal that Holland scored that crazy overhead, you know, scissors kick that from the ball from mm-hmm. Grealish, or the space that Grealish creates for others by taking somebody on, getting in the corner, cutting it back, and then a ball getting whipped in. And so I think the the underrated part about him is that he makes everyone else two, three X better. And you're already talking about the best players in the world around him. Um but I've been really impressed with him this whole season, especially coming on late. I think he'd be a big part of that. This push for City at the at the end of the year, and he's doing it consistently. He plays plays every game. Gets the lumps kicked out of him, and still going on doing it. So yeah, I think he's gone from strength to strength. What did you think about him in, that, in the Southampton game?
1: Yeah, yeah, he he looks um, like he's he's kind of. It took um you know who is the who's the Algerian? I'm blanking on his name. I want to say Ziyech, but that's Chelsea. Um, for City the ball from Leicester. Ma- uh, excuse me, Mahrez. It took Mahrez like a yeah. season and a half to kind of get set- settled in. I think Grealish is, is settled in, you know, even faster than I thought th- this year. He looks super dangerous. He's got the confidence too. He picks the ball up. And he does have that shithousery in him, but he's been, he reminds me a little bit about Saka as well. Like they're, they're still looking to be ruthless, especially in the final third. Um, and he can hurt you a lot of different ways. He, he can slip people in, which he's done a great job at. Anytime he kind of cuts inside, uh, he can bend that ball into the far post. So you have to respect that. And then City yeah. started to realize the guys around him run off of him, a little bit overlaps, or how I'm looking to slip in behind uh, or peel off to that back shoulder. So he looks super dangerous. For me, City looks. The most dangerous right now, just because all guys are kind of clicking, all players are on 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 cylinders, on full cylinders now. Um, he had a little bit of issue with um, De Bruyne. You know, he sat him for a couple games, and I think a couple guys were a little bit unhappy. Um, obviously, he got rid of Cancelo. I think Kyle Walker. He came out and, and barked at him in the media this week as well. So I still yeah, think there's Walker's a little bit of- fucking
0: on CCTV getting blacked out. Seems like all the time just yeah getting in trouble for just doing stupid yeah. Murdering
1: he can't help himself um, living it up a little bit, but the rest of the team is is, is clicking and and, and playing at their full strength right now. So I think it's going to be, yeah, it's it's going to be tight. You would, like we talked about it what a week or two ago. It, it looked like it was Arsenal's to win, but now Man City, especially in Champions League, they feel a little bit different this year. And even in Champions League, like there's that confidence. Yeah. That, there's obviously the pressure to win, but the confidence is there to where like they can handle any challenge. If you look across the board, it's the the lineup is ridiculous, and then the guys who can come off the bench. Foden's still not fully back healthy. I mean, it's just David Silva. It's it's incredible.
0: They. And even
1: guys like when
0: Consola left, Consola wasn't getting playing time because that eighteen-year-old Rico Lewis was playing. He hasn't played in a little bit. He's been back on the bench, but they have that that kind of depth throughout the squad. City's always had that depth throughout the squad in one way or another. But it just seems like now with like that Aguero transition and who's the true goal scorer, I think the like City better with or without Holland is a joke and an the argument. They're very they're definitely better with Holland. Yeah, but they just had that that goal scoring touch where Pep doesn't need to maybe be you know overly creative or perfect tactically, right? Because you have enough guys who can create from different positions now. Like you said, the what Grealish has been great at is, you know, attacking kind of on that diagonal line, two little touches and then a quick little like little back lift and then that quick little ball in and you have that poacher like at the end of it, right? Where before it was De Bruyne bending in these crazy balls with these little guys, you know, darting in behind to get on the yeah. end of stuff. You still have that underneath with Bernardo Silva, but you have this monster in Holland, like the goalie that's scored at Southampton is a great example of that, right? And so they just they just look so much more well-rounded in the type of stuff they play. You talked about on the last podcast about, you know, I, for- I forgot who it was, but reminding you of like Vintage City about this tap-ins at the back post. And then they just have the ultimate, this is a, not a right way to put it, but ultimate tap-in machine in Holland, right? Like he's the best guy finishing yeah. in the world from 12 yards and in. And so I think they're they're going to be really hard to stop. I don't see them losing throughout the rest of the year. I think they walked through the cha- not walk through, but I think they win out in the Champions League, and I think they pick up maximum points in the Premier League, including over Arsenal. So then it's just a question of can Arsenal can Arsenal hang on? But against Southampton, it didn't even look you know it looked like the bottom of the table team versus the best probably most informed team <laughs> in in the league right yeah. now and just totally totally dominated. Such a great job keeping possession throughout the team. Rodri super impressive range of passing. Down defensively, I thought John Stones was unbelievable on the ball yeah. and playing out the back and looks so confident and they just look like they're they're in full stride with Pep's system. Right? Positionally everyone's exactly where where seems like they should be, and everyone looks like they have three options on the ball all the time. It looks like, any as soon as the ball's on the way to somebody, like it's coming out to Grealish, there's a run here, there's somebody coming underneath, there's a ball over the top. Everybody has all those options all the time. And so they're uh you know, they're a ruthless machine, but it's going to be interesting to see on the stretch, but they just look in perfect sync right now.
1: Yeah. I think I said David Silver. I meant obviously Bernardo Silver, but yeah, they, they all have ideas. There's there's everyone's on the pattern. It's very free flowing. And it's just, it's, it's a testament to two things for me. The biggest thing is Pep's got the most out of the guys that he has. Like you just pointed on John stones look like he's, comfortable in the center of the park and never would have thought that from him. You know, look at someone like Nathan Ake, who's who's been a, you know, a mainstay on that team. Another guy they bought for pretty cheap, Akanji, they bought at a good price and he's kind of slid into that spot. So, he's able to coach those guys up and to the best, you know, even further than the levels that we probably thought. And then in terms of the buys, you know, they haven't spent a ton of money. They've sold to buy and the team is just Everything we want Tottenham to be, I guess, if you want to jump over and talk a little bit about what that looked like. Uh, the Brighton, the 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 whole it was a weird, weird game, weird energy to it. It felt very hostile between the two Italian managers. It started right so before inspired. kickoff and it just and it didn't end. You know, they, they followed each other all the way to the locker room. What, what did you think about the, the Spurs? We'll take the three points. Never saw that yeah, one they- coming. But what do you think of the game?
0: At this point, you gotta take, You gotta be happy with anything. Before, this. but that was a huge six point game with Brighton, right? Who still have games in in hand. So, for any hope we have of finishing in the top four, or at least getting in the Europa League, that was a that was a must, right? I mean, that puts us on fifty three. They're on forty six with two games in hand, and so you know, even if Brighton wins out, that puts us one point ahead of them. So that was that was our you know massive massive game. Yeah, I think it was weird, like the very. Um, I think odd tension in the stadium before the game, where there's this clear animosity between fans and the club, and they want to, you know, I think more action on the manager side. Reports coming out this, uh, I read today that we did make an offer to Nigelsman who turned it down, and said he wants to wait till the summer. Continue. Uh, apparently, the chance for Pochettino were very, very loud and singing, "He's magic," you know, a lot of this chance <laughs> of the season there and trying to bring him back. And so, I think. There seems to be a feeling around the club that just it feels like it's gonna go wrong, right? Where well, Hart Lane is one of the best places I've been in the world to watch a game support on the team. It almost feels like everyone is expecting things to go wrong now. And that that's I think job one of the new managers to get run back outside. But I think that played its its way into, into the team. I mean, you had Sun scoring a typical Sun goal, though he has not typical for the season, but traditional Sun goal. He also had some comment to Korean media. About how under Conte, he wouldn't have shot that because they don't want him shooting from there. And they wanted him dropping in, getting the ball, laying it off. And like we talked about, he's not very good playing back to goal. And he was kind of saying that's what they want him to do. And so he said he would have never been in that position, getting the ball kind of coming inside like that. And he would have looked to pass it. And Sun never criticizes anybody. And I think that was like a little bit of a veil criticism there which i thought was interesting but brilliant sun going great to see and hopefully that sparks them going forward but it was a terrible performance we got played off the park again brand dominated same thing spurs look disconnected on the balls we talked about city everyone has an idea has three options that are connected to them where they <laughs> it looked yeah. like again we somebody gets the ball they have no idea what to do with it but we got lucky i think those var decisions could have gone either way i think that the one on Matoma, I think, is a handball, but it, it's uh, it's almost like too close to be reversed. Really tough angle, but I can see that would be a handball. And then the other one that ricochets off the Brighton player's arm, his arm is on his chest, but it's also slightly off. And if the ball's coming in and it's going to hit me in the chest and it hits me in the arm and it's attached to the chest, okay, it's not a penalty. But if your arm's off yeah. your chest and the ball wasn't going to hit your chest and hits your arm, even if it's an inch off, that should be... A handball, and I thought it happened on the second. So, I thought that those calls were were not as big of a an issue as I think a lot of Brighton fans made out. But uh, overall, we did not play well enough. I would say to win the game, and we got we got away with one. And then the deserve thing, you know, for someone who was in the frame for the Tottenham manager to come off like such a hothead for no reason that Italian media misquoted Stellini and him being so riled up about that. You know, Stellini basically said. Grand Potter did a great job building the squad and Deserbi is taking them on. And basically, Italian Mina translated that to basically said like Potter deserves all the success and Deserbi is just like inherited that. I thought it was very bizarre for them to deserve to go after Stellini like that. And Stellini didn't do anything. He just sat there like this, like on the, <laughs> the touchline and all of the yeah. staff went nuts. But he got a red card for not controlling his staff. And so do we want another Italian hothead? And I think deserby has been sent off like three or four times this season. And so that might have eliminated his candidacy, I thought, for Spurs. Which, uh, interesting time for him to pick to do that. Or that he knew he wasn't going to go there anyways. But take the three points. But I think it's going to be Spurs for the rest of the season. Not great performances. And hopefully we grind stuff out. But yeah, I think another very disappointing performance. But what did you think?
1: Yeah, the DeZerby thing was was odd. It, it felt to me like he was trying to bury Spurs. Like he thought he was going to come in there, bury Spurs, send a message that, you know, I'm staying at Brighton. I don't want that job. And he he kind of shot a shot and I think that they kind of distracted the team a little bit and obviously he's got a little bit of that in him from before, but yeah, I thought he was he was really trying to to, you know, bury him and so I was happy to see the the three points. Um but like you said the performance wasn't great. A couple decent moments, but um still too much disconnect, especially like out of the build. And the build just looks so like slow and so predictable. It's non-existent. Um, yeah, it's just I don't understand it. I I we just struggle to, to to play out of our own half and and then by the time we do get the ball into the maybe the final third or even the attacking half, it's just so disconnected and, and there's no rhythm to it. So I thought it was more of the same, unfortunately. I think Bournemouth is going to be a, more of a difficult game than, than it should be. Um, I know the bookies have them as uh, Spurs' favorite, but Bournemouth ch- coming off of that win, they're just out of the relegation zone now. I think it could be, I see it like one of those games where we could have a couple chances, not put anything in, and then leave there with a point. So, um, but I'm more concerned with what's coming up after that. It, it's Newcastle. Manchester United and then Liverpool so I think that's obviously make or break so we have to get three points if possible against Bournemouth but the next three teams really really worry me so I think it's like we talked about last time I just don't see them getting into Europe and it's going to be disappointing yeah I
0: mean uh, the Bournemouth
1: game right where we ship two at the end and that was the end of Conte's
0: reign and now they're coming to our place Bournemouth mm-hmm. at our place should be an easy win I just don't think anything's easy because we don't we don't put our authority on games. We don't establish a tempo. We don't, we don't establish a rhythm. We let the other team of the ball in dangerous positions way too much. So I think every single game is going to be a struggle. You know, player for player, I think we're far better than, than Bournemouth. It's interesting, player for player against Brighton in terms of current form, you'd probably say if you're going to make a combined 11, it's probably, you know, half of their guys, half of our guys. With Bournemouth, that's not the case, but it yep. just seems like as a collective. I wouldn't think we can beat much of anything right now. Like you said, playing yeah. out in the back in that game, it was, it was such a contrasting style because Brighton plays such good stuff on the front foot, really quick movement, one two passing, getting the right guys like Matoma in spaces you want, going on one on ones. But movement through the, the ball movement to the center of the park for Brighton is really good to watch. It's good interchange, good switches of play. They're connected, right? Somebody has the ball, there's always two 15 yard passes on. And it's like Romero to Hoyberg back to Dyer to Parisage back. Yeah. It's, it's nothing, it, it, nothing happens, and nobody looks like they know what they need to do with the ball until after they get it. And then Oliver Skip, it's almost like we have two guys who just aren't tactical enough to play in the center of the park, and you could have one of them, maybe and next to a course someone who can play. I think at this level, to have two defensive center midfielders who are there just to bust up play doesn't work. And at this level, yeah. you need guys who can do both. Like we said, I mean, Rodri is the best in the world probably at this, so it's an unfair comparison. But he can do both. Thomas Party can do both. Quayberg has really fallen off, I think, with his ability. At the beginning of the year, I thought he was much better on the ball. Second half of the year, he is, he's a disaster on the ball. I think he's played way too many minutes. might be one of the issues. Yeah, But I think it's a combination of not the right kind of tactical players and then tactically, it's just a, a disaster. And it really looks like that. Maybe we should have moved on from Stellini and had a reset tactically because I think that these players aren't that bad. It just looks like the complete wrong system is set up and they have a lack of, almost like lack of belief in it. Like I said, Bournemouth, I think is going to be tough. Then you go to Newcastle, that's another six-pointer. United, Liverpool, Palace will be kind of tough. And then Villa is going to be tough. So like you said, this next slot of games, you really need three points from Bournemouth because Newcastle United, Liverpool,
1: right after that—that's the gauntlet. That determines the season. It's crazy. You touched on it a little bit before in terms of like having an identity as a team and having a system in place, and the owners being patient with the new manager. I think it—it it really highlights with like a, a Hoyberg or someone like that, or a Skip, in terms of like what Man City's done with Stones. Like they stuck with them. They, there's been some up and downs. He, he's had form where he's dipped and he's been out of the team, but now all of a sudden he can slide in and play in that center midfield role and connect you know, people and, and, and possess the ball. And so I think it's just highlights, like you said, it's a, it's a really good point about they should have just moved on from everybody. And I don't think we're going to get into the Europe spots now. And, and so why not just do a hard reset, um, give some younger guys an opportunity and, you know, it's easier said than done if you're still in that top six battle, I guess you have to shoot your shot, but someone like Hoiberg who I thought was so good last year is just really starting to fall off and skip is, is, is a solid, um, you know, player but he's not he's not a Rodri or he's not uh, a Jude Bellingham or he's you know there's a couple guys that he's he's not unfortunately so I think it just highlights even more so that it's just there's no long-term strategy I mean it's I saw some I mean the thing isn't of course as bad as we are
0: right we're three points off of third so Newcastle and United both at 56 points three fifty three. they have a game in hand but we we go play both mm-hmm. of them right so like yeah you st- we're right in it. Now, do I think we're going to win those games? No. I don't think pack it in or just hit reset when you're in this spot. I think you got to figure yeah. out a way to like try to give it a go. But I saw some some Twitter, I'm Tottenham Twitter account post that. Imagine, like, it was something along the lines of, like, imagine what we're going to do next year under a new manager with these two, and it was Basuma and Bentacor, right? Basuma and yeah. Bentacor should be one of the best center midfields in the league. Yeah. Right? And really... Hoiberg, if he can play his role and sit behind those two, right? You have yes, Bentivogor yes. kind of doing the more attacking press. You have Basuma more of the box to box, and then you have Bentacore sitting behind, or Hoiberg uh, sitting behind. That's a phenomenal myth. like pretty. We good. should play with those three, yeah. we just need, But Conte never adapted to having like that is that should have been the strength of the team. That Harry Kane did adapt to that, and we played with wing backs, which is a big weakness of the team. And so again, if we could bring the right person in that i think could build the right tactics around this group you know i think we could be could be special but it's the same thing now okay you don't have those guys now build the tactics around the team stop sticking to the system just because that's what we've played all the time right yeah guys they play international football with different systems they played different systems before we can adapt to a new system i just think we have to um we we have to accentuate the talent we we have more because Skip and Hoyberg is just not working. I don't know if you put Poppy Sar in there, or maybe play the three to allow Poppy Sar to be in there. If you kind of looked at the even though we had the traditional same guys on the pitch, Kulisewski was dropping back. It was a little bit more of a three five two at times with Son and Kane as the as the two up top. So I would love to see us kind of tinker with that and not just keep doing the same thing over and over again. If we keep doing that, then, you know, the best we can hope for is I think ties against Newcastle and United, but like have Dyer and Romero and Longley as kind of maybe a, yeah, have them. And then Poro as a four. And then maybe you have the three with Saar, skip Hoiberg. Right. And then Kulisevki maybe as an attacking midfielder to link. And then summon Kane up top, like, Try something yeah. like that instead of this, like continuous yeah. three five two. So, but I don't know. Stellini, I think, has said over and over again, we're not changing much, and yeah. I think this is another example of it just not working.
1: Yep, it's hard, man. It's it's tough to watch sometimes. You get a little, but it's good. I think it's been the most unenjoyable year like, as a fan. Yeah, yeah. But you brought us back down to we're like, yeah, we're still we're still a little bit in the hunt, and so if we can somehow somehow eke out victories or points, but. I'm a little bit pessimistic on, on that um, on that front. It's a, it's a
0: hard one to blow up, to your point. It's yeah. like, if you think that's where it's going, you should blow it up, but you're not there yet to tank. It's like, it's yeah. like when there was not like, Chelsea the Conte right going. Or- yeah, exactly. You're not 11th. But like, when Conte was like, do we let him go or not? When we were still in the Champions League, right? And the argument was like, we've played terrible all season. Conte mm-hmm. hasn't signed a new contract. He has this terrible attitude. And the fans are disconnected. And it's a horrible watch. But we're still in the Champions League. Still in the mm-hmm. FA Cup, and we're still in the top four race, and it's like, yeah, but we all feel like we're gonna lose, we're gonna be bounced out of all of those, even though you're not yet. But dude, can you admit defeat before you've actually been defeated? Like you can't do that, right? Either, yeah, yeah.
1: So it's
0: it's really really tough.
1: Yeah, I think he knew. Yeah, I I think the more that we get away from that situation, I kind of understanding it a little bit more.
0: It, we, yeah, it's, it's, we need three points against Bournemouth. That turns it into yeah. a must-win game because of the slog. And that puts more pressure on them. I don't know if playing a White Hart lane is helpful right now. On to the next. Some good news about maybe a manager or higher, which I don't think happened before that, but that could like... What would you think about uh, Lampard's first game in charge at Chelsea? Same
1: fourth manager
0: at Chelsea, exact same Chelsea.
1: Yeah. Is it fourth? The VXA, Third, yeah
0: two-point? point of the year, I believe. Oh
1: yeah, they had the they had the interim as well. Yeah, not great. More of the same. Certain moments where they look like they're especially on the attacking side where they look super dangerous and and Felix like, like looks like he's the you know looks like he could be um, you know a, a premier player for for a couple years and and make a yeah, really attack. Great. and just like yeah he still hasn't hit on that final product but I, I don't know if that's more of a um, You know, indication of what's going on with the team than than just him. He's had a couple moments though where I think he could have tucked it away. So yeah, more the same for them as well. I don't think Lampard is really has you know based off of the Champions League some of the reactions like when he pulled Thiago Silva off and, and some of the reactions these guys had. I don't think he's got the full belief. But it's tough. It's a tough situation to come into. There's nothing to play for and. You try to rally them around, you know, the Champions League, and you have to go to the Bernabeu for the first round, so or the first leg. So, yeah, more of the same. I don't see them going on any kind of run right now, and it's it's really starting to turn. You know, they've lost, you know, both games with Lampard at, at the helm, and if they lose three in a row, you know, this weekend, it could be it could be uh, dicey times. They could like fall down. You know, they could be finishing in you know fifteenth place where they're at right now if they lose a couple games.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I thought they looked the same. Only one shot on target. They have all these great creative players that just aren't creating. I think they need to have a hard look at Kai Havertz and maybe not give up on him or give him out on loan, but bring someone else in in for him to be an understudy to. He's been the guy leading the line the past few years, and he just doesn't look capable of it at the moment. Now, there's an argument to be made to just let him continue to learn and develop, and he's still so so young. But I think they just look really blunt in attack and in that number nine spot. There's a lot a lot to be desired. Still, so many. Good pieces, and you see flashes of stuff with Chelsea. Like you yeah. said, Yael Felix is a great example. Right, he looks so good on the ball. He's so good at getting and turning and running at defenders, and good at linking little creative passes. If they, if he looks like they should get him from Atletico at the end of the year, but just like completely blunted attack and kind of like devoid of ideas once they get up there. I think it's hard with all the managerial change too to keep learning and building as a group with Lampard's coming in and changing a bunch of stuff at this stage. But yeah, it just looks like this is what Chelsea's going to be for the rest of the year, and the question is how far down the table are they they going to drop? They don't look like a team though that's given up on the club or the manager. They still look like they're working really hard. There's a good collective spirit and a lot of fight. They just don't know how to play together in the final third, which is so bizarre with that. Yeah, with with that with that squad. Um, it'll be interesting seeing Mason Mount come back into the squad now yeah. under Lampard. He seemed a little bit frozen out before. Yes, darling, back, back in the contract car. situation. Yeah, so it's this weird balance. They're not going to get relegated not getting Europe. Like how many guys, like Conor Gallagher started against Wolves. How many guys like that are you giving more minutes to really let them, you know, have a look and go from there versus focusing on, on overly, overly, you know, playing how much you develop first game points since the end of the year because you have such a bloated squad. You bought so many young players. How many of them do you want to see get in? I mean, if you look at the guys that came off the bench, that was Aubameyang Yang came off the bench and thought was really interesting. He's been basically frozen out of the squad and I think shows yeah. that they're really desperate for ideas if they're getting him on. Pulisic got some yeah. minutes. So it'll be interesting to see like what the mixes of guys they have going forward to try to fix this. Because going to be there next year. So that's a great example. Do you get him on to give points or do you have Kai Havers try to figure this out? I think that's gonna be interesting yeah. for Chelsea, but they look the be- Exact same wolves weren't great either. I thought they were okay, no. um, but it was more just a lack of sharpness and attack from from Chelsea.
1: Yeah, they have Brighton on the weekend. It would be, I, I, I think, Deserbi will have to sit right with the red card. I don't know if they'll appeal it. And no, no touchline bans announced. No touchline bans.
0: Yeah, which I was surprised. Especially, I could get that for Smolinski because uh, he didn't do anything. But for Deserbi, yeah. I was very surprised.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting to see how it goes because the games at Stamford bridge and if, if Brighton can start to play and um, how they've been playing really all year and pick part Chelsea, um, that, that place could turn on on it really quick. And then, you know, you have Todd Bowley again with the three nothing comment against Real Madrid and um, for the Champions League. And I, I don't know. I think he's part of it is trolling. You know, I think he just wants to make headlines and be in the news and. Part of me is thinking he's trying to distract from what's actually taking place on the field. And he's trying to, I don't really actually know what his, his plan is, but I it's think just he's just trying to put on a, a face of confidence. I
0: think he's just trying yeah, to put on a face of confidence of and he knows he's not good. I mean, he said in that same comment when the Sky Reporter was chasing him, when he said that thing about 3 0, he said this is a long term project, right? And of course, not happy with results, but yeah. they knew this is a real long term thing. And I think it was uh, just like the rest of what he's done there. Not. The wrong intention just very tone deaf, like the all-star comment, right? Yeah. Saying you're going to yeah. win 3-0 when you've just been, just keep getting battered over and over again and can't score a goal. And it just doesn't sound good in that accent, right? Like yeah. to all your fans, it's like- so your supporters. So I just think it's like a tone deaf, tone deaf thing and just try to be like a, a rah-rah cheerleader. But for them, yeah, it's not great, but it is a long-term outlook. You're not going to get relegated. It's going to suck for the... Bottom line: When you're not in the Champions League next year, but they have enough capital behind them, where none of these models are solely dependent on getting into Europe every single year. If that doesn't happen, maybe next year, the year after, it's a problem. But you you have to account for those kind of kind of blips. So yeah, we, it's going to be interesting to see where they go, manager wise, and and uh, and him his focus being there. But I think he just can't get out of his own way at the moment, and he needs to stop
1: talking to reporters. Like when someone stops you in the street, yeah. just don't talk. Keep it in-house. I think that – I can't remember if we've talked about this on a pod previously or if it was just on one of the conversations we had, though. It'll be interesting to see how they thin that that, that squad out, right? Because who are they going to be selling some of these guys that they overpaid for? Who are they going to be selling them to? There's not a huge list of of teams outside the Premier League that can afford these guys not just their fees but their salaries. So I think they have a very difficult time on their hands. I think the manager is going to be a very, very big decision. And based off of what he wants to see, if they can commit to him long-term, maybe that – you know, the team picks itself, so to speak. He can kind of thin out guys that don't fit his system. But there's still so many guys. Ziyech and Pulisic is still there. And um, you mentioned Aubameyang back into the fold. Sterling's still, you know, around. So they have a big task at hand. But it'd be nice to see them get back to it, right? I think that um Chelsea, um a good Chelsea is, is fun to watch. And, you know, especially in Europe, they can do special things. So hopefully they They'll get be back bad. to it soon. Yeah, they'll be back. I mean, there's there's too much talent, too much talent there, and to bring somebody
0: in to, to right the ship, it's just too much change at one time in the middle of the season. Can't bring that many guys in and make it and expect to just win games off off the bat. But you look you look at this yeah. squad, like Pulisic, Pulisic is going to be gone, Ziak is going to be gone. I think there's a big question mark over Connor Gallagher. Big question over Mason Mount with the uh, contract issue. Mudrick looks like they way overpaid for him. I don't think he ever grows into a hundred mil, but. There's no way to retrain that now. He's a lot of years there. Loftus-Cheek hasn't played that much lately, but I think he's absolute quality, and I wouldn't let him go. But there's got to be a question there. Ask Loqueta, you think he I'm might be gone. Loftus-Cheek? I would love Loftus-Cheek at Spurs. It'd be unbelievable. Be I would take him and Ziyech. Ziek would be a great yeah. player for, for Spurs. He's like the kind of creative player that we're... One of the creative links that we're missing.
1: 100%. So I think there's going to
0: be huge... Turnover in that squad, but you look at like the peop- the squad that played against Real Madrid. Felix, you think they would buy and get back. Sterling's still going to be there. Chowell's just signed a new contract. Kulabali, Silva, Fafano, you feel like that's the back three next year. Conte might be gone in the summer. You could see them. That looks like I could see him going to PSG. Fernandez is obviously long term. Kovacic, you think, would be there next year. Reese James is probably the best outside back in the world. So yeah, you still have a core that you can build on there, and I wouldn't try to upset the Apple Car too much. But I think the with with that starting eleven, but then you look at this bench over half of it has to has to go, and I think they need to figure out who this manager is going to be ASAP so they can start that process now because I think it'll be too rushed and hectic in, if they just do it over the summer. But they'll be back, and it's going to get top six six race will be incredibly competitive, even more so with them yeah. them back at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, talking about some teams that oh, go ahead no go for it i was saying just talking about teams that picked the the right manager i think for me united and, and and still kind of up and down and but for me the the momentum is positive and it's moving forward with ten hag and um obviously taking taking points from from everton what do you think of that performance everton is just clinging for for draws right now i think that's their their plan to get out of uh the relegation yeah. zone but united is still in that top top 3 top four battle. What'd you think of that game?
0: Yeah, I think Everton's hard to beat right now. I don't think Spurs put a good performance in, but I think we show that, but they're, they're hard to beat. Sean Dyche has them organized, working hard defensively. They're hard to break down. So good professional win when you would expect United to get, but not an easy one. And I think important for them that Anthony Martial got a goal because he is when he is on, he is so good. And so Lee, he just never, I feel like gets enough games in a row to really, show his quality and really be comfortable out there, just really get match fit. And so if he can come on and build on that for the end of the year as another weapon, I think that's a big deal for them. So for United fans, if he can use it as a springboard, I thought that that was probably the biggest positive takeaway of the game. But overall, just kind of professional performance and uh, professional performance that I think showed what more Ten Hag wants, which is this consistency of application, right? It's not the United playing really well at times. Sometimes they just like shut off. Right, it's very strange. So I think just like having a consistency of attitude and application is what Ten Hag seems to be all about in terms of building that spirit at United, and this was a good example of that. I also think Sabitzer's played well, and I think that's important for them, and it'll be interesting to see if they if they end up getting him from Bayern Munich over the summer. But I thought he looks more, more comfortable out there and looks to be a shrewd buy in the beginning, which I didn't love, but I thought he showed really, really well. But what did you think about uh, about their performance in a not-easy place to uh, get a result? Or not, not easy team yeah. to get results against.
1: Yeah, I mean, Everton had some moments, especially in the second half. I was, I was very interested to see how it would go because I can see this United team, you know, in recent history of just taking a point and saying, "Hey, listen, it was Everton. It was tough to play against, but giving up a goal and." You know, giving up a lead, I, I, I could see that, and it looked like moments where that was going to happen. I give um, Everton a lot of credit; they put them under. They they created a couple of chances until um, I think it was Seamus Coleman. The ball slipped under his foot, and then that was that was the end of it. After that, they tightened things down. I agree with Sabitzer. I think that was a, a very at the time, it seemed it felt like a little bit rushed um, of a purchase just because Ericsson went down. But he's he's looked the part. I think he scored actually today in the Europa League, maybe one or two goals as well. So you're yeah. getting Ericsson back into the fold. That was nice to see him back on the field. If he can somehow get a tune out of either Sancho, Anthony, or Martial, I think that this United team, the last several games, could go on a little bit of a run. He's done such a good job with Rashford. Casemiro will be back in in another game Um, and I think what he does on the field is he he frees Fernandez up not just you know tactically and soccer wise but he also frees him up to you know not have to deal with being the leader on the field I think Casemiro plays that role very naturally and and bosses the game so yeah I think for me the biggest thing is one of those three guys the three attacking guys has to start producing Uh, you made a good point there about Martial if he can somehow go on a little bit of a run they'll be super dangerous the last couple games.
0: Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. I think it was a really good point about thinking of the weapons firing, they could go on a run. And I think it's just a question of can they keep this level of focus up essentially yes. and not have just one of these blow ups along the way. Because there's gonna be pressure, you know, from in and around those spots, but they're in they're in pole position right now. And I think another really good point about uh Casemiro coming back in and giving them a lift. I think partially like you said, it's Fernandez not taking on all the responsibility. But also just the uh, the lift and confidence and maturity he seems to give that squad of like coming in and everyone is like there's this four times Champions League winner and obviously the quality he has and not not exactly this but people talk about when Cantona came into United and he gave them this this level of confidence and that level of confidence around the squad really what boosted them to the next level and giving us belief that we're going to win these games I feel like Casemiro does that maybe not to Cantona's level but gives everyone that level of belief and coming back in and if he can you know stay on the pitch then. uh then they'd be tough to reckon with. I think um, their their schedule. What's their schedule look like over these next couple
1: of games? It, it's not too bad. They have Nottingham this weekend, and they have a pretty light schedule, especially towards the end of the season. And they're still in the FA Cup with the semifinals against Brighton. So I think there's yeah. some still some things to play for. I believe they. I haven't checked today, but I believe they won the the first leg of um, the Europa League. Or no, they. I think they actually tied. It says so. They gave up a. They lead tied two it. Two. They
0: tied at. Yeah, they tied at Sevilla last time.
1: Okay. So that's um yeah, that's not um it's not a everything result, everything they they to were... play
0: for them and Sevilla's been a bit of a mess.
1: But yeah, yeah their run, the run is manager. pretty good. their run ins yeah. Their toughest
0: games in the run in are, are Spurs and Villa. So mm-hmm. they gotta feel really, really good about that. And uh a Fulham side that's not gonna have Mitrovic at the end, so everything to play for and I think also that SA that FA Cup semi final against Brighton is not gonna be easy. Brighton's obviously Mm-hmm. You know, playing some of the best stuff in the country right now. But if they can get by Brighton, that's gonna give them a ton of confidence getting into a cup final too for that for that young young core. So that will be a, a big boost to them as well. But yeah, I think they're gonna end up finishing third and Newcastle fourth and Spurs fifth. But I, I think they're gonna hold steady.
1: Yeah. What do you think of the Newcastle performance over Brentford? I had some nervy moments. I mean, I think uh, Ivan Tony missed the pen, a couple of chances. I think another goal was was potentially varred off. But they responded really well and um, took all three points, um, and it was on the road, I believe, yeah,
0: that Brentford I think like those are the types of games that you know in top four race or that that you need to win going to a tough place like Brentford who's really good at atmosphere' there, but they play really well home and it's a very well drilled side. Brentford's a very tough out period. Going on and picking up another kind of professional win and and getting it over the line, kind of in the end, you know, the getting a coming from one down, also right, Brentford going ahead and then being able to continue to push on and and get what needs to be done done. I think is encouraging. We talked about this, you know, a couple of pods ago about one of the big things for Newcastle is going to be Isaac and how much is he going to come on. He's back healthy. Can he keep coming? Can he come up with goals consistently? Can he be the number nine? And that's what he's doing, right? And he's scoring a ton, creating a ton, gets the winner again. Here, so I think that's probably the most encouraging piece for Newcastle is you have your goal scorer firing and scoring in, in big moments. I thought they 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 bossed the game pretty well in the center of the park. I think Joe Linton is a huge linchpin for them. I think Bruno Gamaris is a huge linchpin for them, and I think they have a lot of strength through the spine of that squad. and And they continue to show that and it serves them really, really well. Um, and yeah, they got a little lucky with with the Ivan Tony penalty miss far but you kind of you need that at this point of the season you make your own luck but they continue to look i think mature efficient and professional and for a team that hasn't been in this spot for a very very long time and most of these players have never been in this spot they have that efficiency about them you need right you don't get rattled you go one behind you manage games properly and so usually you know you teams falter in these moments and you gain from that maturity and next season they do it they look like they're a step ahead of of where they thought anyone thought they would be at this point with just their level of professionalism managing through these types of games. Brentford away in the Premier League, that's a that's a type of slip up game and they handled it really, really well. I was really impressed with was just the way they managed it through. It wasn't a brilliant performance, but this they managed efficiently. And again the goal is from the main man, that's what they need.
1: Yeah, what a finish for the second goal. Just kind of I think the announcer said something along the lines of just kind of calmly passed it in, in the corner. Obviously that's a little bit uh, understated, the, the kind of first yeah. time finish, but he looks um, like he's he's buzzing right now. And I think it's it's a testament to not just the work he's put in, obviously, but what Eddie Howe's doing right now in terms of making those guys better, having them play together as a unit, having that belief and then have a lot of guys firing at the end of the season. We touched on it earlier with what Pep's doing and, and a little bit with 10 Hogg is trying to get right now about these guys coming good at, at just the right time They're. Last couple of games, the the schedule is pretty favorable, and I think what really helps them too is that this is their predominant focus, right? There's no other competitions that they're in right now. Uh, there's no Europe currently. That's the goal for them, and I think all their guys are focused on on doing that. Where contrast a little bit with United, sometimes it feels like okay, the Europa League is is a little bit below us, and I think sometimes that that feel kind of bleeds into some of the things they do in the Premier League as well this Newcastle team seems very focused very hungry and the fan base is rampant so they're going to be all eyes on getting into Europe and and I agree with you I think they do it I almost think that I think they might be able to take third I mean they're buzzing right now it'll come down to you know very slim margins but it'll be interesting that that Villa game this weekend is going to be super fun to watch and I'm looking forward towards that
0: I mean the next couple games they're interesting I mean Villa and then Spurs so you know Teams right around them, then then the two games, and then Arsenal, and then the rest was pretty easy. So this is the the business end of their season, and this kind of this this gauntlet. But really, you think the next these next two games. Really kind of cement where they're going to be for the end of the season because Arsenal, yeah, you'd love to go get a result, but you kind of chop that up. So if you don't get three points there, it's understandable. But the teams right around you, Spurs, Villa, those are the games you got to win. So I feel like these next two weeks are are Newcastle's whole season and they're, you know, one of the most informed teams in the, in the world. They've won one, two, three, four, five on the bounce, right? And so as informed as anybody and taking it to, uh, exactly where they, where they want to be. The, The other thing about Newcastle is like, They keep having these guys that Eddie Howe seems to be developing in an unbelievable way. Jacob Murphy, the last couple of games has completely impressed me. And I I didn't know who Jacob Murphy was (laughs) (laughs) until I felt like until two, three months ago. I'm like, who is like, did they buy him and come to the youth Academy? And he's like local kid, or I guess he was born in Wembley, but family is all Newcastle people and was at Norwich and then went to Newcastle has been loaned out a couple of times. But He's come on like a brilliant new signing. He's been unbelievable. Like we talked last time about Joe Willick and how kind of disregarded by Arsenal and, and he looks like a poor man's Bukayo Saka and it's been really, really impressive what Omaron you know, did under Eddie Howe and, you know, they made some really smart buys. But Jacob Murphy is a really good example. the same thing with Longstop, of young kids that Eddie Howe and that staff seem to really have developed as well. So they have this interesting balance of, of young guys, more established guys. Obviously, and obviously, and smart money buys, like I, Isak's turn looks like a smart money buy. And uh, Jolinton, yeah. Demar Trippier. And Kevin Trippier really exactly like established their national smart buy. So it's a really good balance within that squad of experience and youth and hunger. But I think it's a really good time for Newcastle, you know, flush with all this money. And I don't know if anyone's going to abide by financial fair play. But like developing guys and having the cash to go buy them. And they've really shown that shown that ability. But Jacob Murphy in this game, again, I thought absolutely brilliant. In the last couple, he's been, I think, a real, real revelation.
1: Yep, for sure. Super impressed by that. Um, what do you think about um, some of the matches coming up then on on this weekend? Preview them a little bit. I guess we can start off with that first one. Aston Villa, Newcastle Saturday yeah. There, the kickoff here in this in the States at Villa Park. I, I see it as a draw. I think it'll be I might have to get up and watch that one. I think it might be uh, might be ending in a draw, 1-1 or a 2-2 kind of game. It's kind of crazy that Villa
0: Newcastle is the game of the weekend, right? Like at this point of the season, yeah. this end of the season, <laughs> especially where with Villa was with Gerrard, right? And you know, people thought Newcastle would be a building year for them, probably, you know, you know, 8th, 7th somewhere around there would be a great result, but you know, here we are, in, in, you know, Villa Outside chance of getting into that top four, but you know, still in and around it, and uh, you know, nine points back of Newcastle with a game in hand, but so, so still, still in and around it. But yeah, it should be a great game. And I think the styles of the game really line up well. We talked about last time. It looks like Villa under Emery has had them very fluid in how they create now. Where under Jarrad seemed to be much more rigid in the way they wanted to play, and they weren't really accentuating maybe everyone's talent as much, like Douglas, Louise, and Ramsey, and getting everyone in the best position for them to succeed, where they got the ball, with getting Leon Bailey in a little bit more space, getting the ball over the top to Ollie Watkins more, and also finding Ollie Watkins on the back post more. And so it looks like Emory is really having everyone play to their strengths. And Newcastle is really great at disrupting that, right? Like I said, they're really, they're really strong through the center of the park, really tough defensively, tackle, sprint all over the place. And so I can see them disrupting what Villa want to do, I think an early goal is going to matter a lot here, right? Getting Villa Park behind that team and an early Oliver Watkins goal could uh, turn the tide. But I think Newcastle is going to go in there and get it done, and I think it will be like a two-one, almost like they had against Brentford. But I think Villa will score or New, excuse me, Newcastle will score first, and then it will be a battle. And I think Newcastle edge it out with like a goal kind of the 65th, 70th, 70th minute. But I think it'll be really entertaining and box to box, like classic EPL game. So I'm I'm really really excited for it and. uh, it's just so interesting in this league, even with all the money being spent and everything, Villa Newcastle is the game of the weekend. So I love it. Yeah. What do you uh, yeah. What do you think about one of the other big ones of the weekend, London Derby, uh, which you never know is going to happen in the London Derby, but Arsenal, Arsenal, West Ham, both fighting for, uh, for West Ham for their life and Arsenal, obviously for the title, but this could be a banana peel for Arsenal potentially, but what do you think?
1: Yeah. At London, at the London stadium, right? That place is going to be rocking. West Ham is is desperate for points, taking three points off of, of Fulham last week, and looking to to keep things moving. I think it depends very much so on how how they start off, right? If if West Ham, like you talked about with the the Villa Newcastle game, if if West Ham puts them under early, and I talked about it before, Arsenal sometimes in the beginning of the games for me still feels a little bit open. Obviously, it was different versus Liverpool, so they have the maturity to go on the road, I think, and and get results. But I, I think that fan that fan base is going to be behind them and, and desperate for points. So if Arsenal can control the game early on and get to half with the game tied or or, or or lead, I think they go on and win this game. They need three points. They have to have it with Man City playing Leicester this weekend. So I think it's going to be tight. I just think Arsenal has too much quality. West Ham's been too much up and down for me. So. Yeah, I think Man City obviously will take down Leicester City, and I think Arsenal wins. Uh might be tight 2-1. I can see them maybe getting a late third goal as West Ham pours people forward, but I think it's going to be um, a very, very tight one for them. But but three points coming out of there. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, you look at West Ham has a game in hand, basically uh, over everyone around
0: them in and around the bottom half of the table. Three points out of relegation zone, so even getting a draw gives them that cushion, massive. right? Which is, massive. yeah, which is absolutely massive. And, you know, getting up to go play at Anfield as hard as it is to go play at Anfield, it's still, those are the games that everyone shows up for, right? So it's like after that game at Anfield, even the way it ended, still getting out of their draw, I think they feel positive. But then going away to West Ham, those are the the games you slip up on, right? And I'm a little bit biased because West Ham's been a bogey team for Spurs over the years and how many times we've been in our round of top four race or when we were chasing the title, those sorts of things. And then we would go to the London Stadium and tie (laughs) 1-1, like 2-2, right? And they were such a problem and hard to break down. So they, they, they can be like that. They can make things really difficult. So I could see this being a draw. But I don't know if that's just so much of my own bias. But yeah. like you said, West Ham just been such a disaster defensively. You saw Newcastle go in and blow them up, right? And they can get so open. And if you give this Arsenal team any space in that final third, and you let Jesus make some of those run in behind, give Martinelli a little bit of space on one-on-ones, it seems like that's what West Ham does all the time. They just... The midfield it does not seem very connected to the center backs, and there seems to be too many gaps. And I think that just plays in Arsenal's hands too much. And they just seem, West Ham seem to do that too consistently. So, what I want to say, like, this has all the makings of a trap game for Arsenal, and it could be a draw. It just seems like West Ham's biggest weakness this year is what Arsenal exploits. And so, I could see Arsenal going like 3 0 up. So, that's, that's what I'm going to go. My heart says trap game, but my head says 3 0 Arsenal. So, I'm going to go 3 0 Arsenal and put a ton of pressure on David Moyes and West Ham make a managerial change now. They've been going to write But uh yeah. So but yeah, I think uh that does end that puts West Ham, you know, probably back in the right in around that relegation zone, the sixteenth, seventeenth place level.
1: Yeah, I'd love to be in the uh the locker room before this one and here, Arteta with the speech that he's going to have uh, crafted for this one, because this is a, a, for me, this is a must win. You got to go in there and, and send a message to everybody that, that you mean business. And, and then, you know, with the game after that is against Southampton. So if you can take six points from those next two games and then make city who still has one eye on the champions league, still has a lot going on. Just send them a message that, Hey, our full focus is on this, on winning this title for the first time in, in a long time. Um so I think that uh, they get out of there with three points. Be a potato. Be be a potato. If you can be That's a potato, exa- be a potato. That's exactly what um, our tent is going to say for them. It's the most flexible yeah. vegetable you could be. You could be Chris. Who <laughs> no, Hasn't seen
0: that. Seen that video? We'll put it in the show notes.
1: Highly recommend it. And watching that uh, the Amazon documentary about him. What do you think about? Uh, Tottenham, and Bournemouth we said it's a potential a little bit of a downfall after a, a big win. I'm predicting a victory here. I think Son I'm hoping he gets another goal. I, I feel like that could be the move here, but I see a two nothing kind of game. I don't know if Bournemouth can um you know get a goal against us. I, I think it's a, a two nothing. It's it's me being optimistic. What do you think? Eight nothing yeah. bo- uh, Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no way we should drop points here. Like, you look at the two
0: squads at home, again, really must-win game uh, ahead of a very hard schedule. It's going to make or break the season for the top-four race. This has to be a win, but it's Spurs, and the most Spurs thing ever would be able to would have one little bit of bright health getting three points and then dropping points to Bournemouth. So I could see it like us going ahead and then defending the rest of the game for dear life and Bournemouth scoring in the last 10 minutes and it being 1-1. So I think Harry Kane's to the score and it's going to end up being 1-1. And they're born with a score at the end, and we're not going to have we're not going to get a sniff of the ball for we'll score within the first twenty, not have a sniff of the ball the rest of the match. Born with score in the 80, 85th minute. Yeah, that's
1: exactly what's going to happen. I'm hoping that in that Newcastle game is is um, is a draw. Like I said, it's early kickoff, and maybe Spurs see that and and, and get uh, get motivated, and and the fans get behind them, and we're in this place, the things aren't going to change right now in terms of the manager and players on the field. So let's get behind the boys and uh, let's see if we can take three points. And oh, keep this and that's what everyone has season. to do.
0: And I and I will be watching and cheering and, and fully yeah. throwing all my support behind them from Los Angeles. Yes. It just is. So us under this, this Conte regime to be up and down and go out and just, again, if we're set up tactically to do it, we can do it, but they're not going to set up tactically any different. And and, every, and I guarantee all of Spurs Twitter is going to be blowing up about how we're playing. It's like we're trying to play away against Real Madrid in the way we set up, and we're yeah. at home against Bournemouth, and we're still you yeah. know trying to play on the counter. But yeah. this is a must win, and so you hope they come out and yes. play like it's a must. It's a must win. Yeah. What did you think about the champs? The champs leagues back. Quick review before we, we wrap up.
1: I a bunch of. Like I don't know. Besides, I, uh, I don't know if I have time for the Champions League wrap up. Because you have so many brilliant thoughts, yeah. you got to run. Yes, I got to run. I got to go to. I got a training here tonight.